Well, hello, sir. Good afternoon, Ben. How are you doing? I'm good. Long time to talk. I know. We were just talking that it's been a, a busy July. I've been traveling a bit. I was in California for about a week. Now I'm back home and about to go out on a rugged uh, camping expedition. Oh, really? Yeah. Is this a vision quest? <laughs> Um, there, there might be some questing of visions up there, but, uh, this is actually the same trip I went on last year up in the boundary waters of Minnesota. So oh, yeah. you kind of go, you kind of go deep into the really like natural untouched area aside from the, you know, campsites and stuff they have up there and, um, drop in on a lake and then you canoe around and do portages and all that good stuff. So that's cool. Uh, I, I yeah. feel like I know that area because so this is kind of a slightly embarrassing confession, but I like to watch uh, YouTubers that go camping and record their trips. Oh, nice. It's like a relaxing thing for like, I'll watch like an hour long highlights video of someone else's like hiking camping trip uh, at like, you know, 1.3 X or whatever. But anyway, uh, so I I watched someone do like a multi-day boundary waters uh, trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, you're right up there by the Canadian border. And so a lot of these lakes are just right on the border. So literally the other side is Canada and it's just pristine waters. Like I think there's a lot of protection up there from the mining is sufficiently far away. So that the water's still really clear and it's just, yeah, it's a really beautiful place. Nice. And it's isolated enough. It seemed like the wildlife was like, was just everywhere. Yeah, totally. Yep. Like you're in, you're in their world for sure. Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. Yep. Very cool. How long are you doing that for? So it's a five-day trip. So I'll go up tomorrow, spend the night in a lodge, and then they'll drive us in, and we'll set off, and then I'll be back on uh, on Monday. So That's so cool. Yeah, I haven't been on a longer backpacking trip in a long time, but it's I find them like ridiculously calming. Just getting away from my phone and every like all screens basically, and my whole life is on my back, and everything I need is in there, and I could be stuck here for days, and that would be fine. Like I just love mm-hmm. that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Like last year, it was a it was a mix of like highs and lows. Like our first campsite was just terrible. Like it was it was like graded a D, but we just kind of had to stop because we were like ready to ready to stop for the day. It was just kind of a little bit overgrown and had tons of bugs and stuff. But then our second campsite was the complete opposite. It was like on this perfect geographic spot where there were almost no bugs and a nice breeze, and it was just you know, it was perfect. So kind of getting that contrast of like, oh, this is how bad it can be. And then, and then kind of the opposite is, is fun too. Yeah. There's this thing in this concept they have in Outward Bound called sensible deprivation, Mm -hmm. where it's like this idea that like a little bit of suffering is kind of good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Makes you appreciate things more. Totally. I definitely came away feeling like I can't wait to do this again, but yeah, Mm -hmm. it was like definitely not all easy. So. Oh yeah, for sure. Cool. Not well, unlike uh, startups. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Perfect segue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so I'm having a, a good day. We just shipped a, a major feature. Ooh, nice. Do tell. Yeah. So I would say the thing that people have been asking for more than just about anything feature-wise has been uh, video support. Because it's kind of hard to tell when you're pairing with someone if they're still into it. Like if all you have is their voice, like are they still paying attention? Are they even there? Uh, do we, is it time for a break? We have some customers who say they were like they were using Zoom for video and the tuple for the actual remote control and screen share. It just was like a drumbeat of people asking for it. And uh, we just uh, finally shipped it. Wow. That seems like it would be a major effort, was it? So I was talking to somebody and he was actually a person who wanted to cancel. And one of the reasons he wanted to cancel was this lack of video support. He's like, we really need this. 
Uh, and he's like, you know, Zoom has faces and its remote control is not as good. So we like yours better. But given that we want faces anyway, we, we just use Zoom. And I was like, yeah, I totally hear you. There's a lot of people that want the, the face cams. Like it's, it's, it's coming. And he was like, so this is just like, take or leave this advice. But I'll tell you, he's the founder of, a, of another software company. He said, you know, I started off working on this company as a side project. And all my customers were asking me for this one complicated feature. And it really intimidated me. And so I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. And then one day I was finally just like, all right, I'm just going to hammer this thing out. And just spent like a few weeks figuring it out and ended up putting something together that he really liked and shipped. And he said that was really uh, the turning point where it went from like kind of a hobby side project to something that real businesses could use. Like it really dramatically affected the product market fit. He's like, if I were you, I would stop doing anything that's not video. If everyone's asking for it, like drop everything and do that. And it really resonated with me. And I think it kind of pushed us over some inertia because we were intimidated by it, I would say. It is a complicated thing. It is sort of a big feature. I guess two weeks ago, we had this habit of on Monday mornings talking about what we're going to do for the week. And I basically like had a call with Spencer. and I was like, I think we should start the video thing. And he was like pretty resistant to it. He like didn't really want to do it because like because he knew he was having he's the one who has to write the code. I could tell he was like not super psyched on it. And so I kind of had to sell him on it. Eventually, the, the compromise we agreed on was like, all right, let's let's spend a week on it and see where you can get in a week. And if it looks hellacious after the week, like we can reevaluate. But like, let's at least know, as opposed to just kind of being intimidated by the idea of it. The funny thing was, it was something like 36 hours later, where Spencer was like, hey, I have like a prototype to try. Like, can I call you with this? Damn. <laughs> and so like, the, the very first version actually came together pretty fast. When you framed it as like an experiment, did that help shift their mindset and, and help them get excited about it a little bit more? I, I think so. It probably helped. It yeah. made it more likely. Like we were both concerned. We both were like, you know, worried that this would be a huge thing. Uh, and like there were a lot of UX questions to answer that we weren't sure about. And so that was another part that I think helped, which is he sort of went off and just started looking at like the technical feasibility of it. And while he was doing that, I wrote up a design document, which is like, here's how it should work. Like, here's the con like, and I was like, here's the context. Here's what people are asking for. Here are the goals of this feature. Here are the non-goals of this feature. For this, for example, there's sort of two camps of people who are requesting video. One is like, I want to see my pair's face so that I know if they're still engaged and like, so I can read their body language. And there was another camp that was saying, I want you to add video so I can stop using Zoom. And Tuple can just be my only communication tool. And we made the decision for this feature that we're focusing on the former. Like it's like, let's, let's stay in the pairing niche, keep focused on that. How do we build this so it makes the pairing sessions better? Don't worry about it making it, making it a general purpose video tool for now. I think that helped a lot to like sort of define the scope and, and set the goals. Uh, but then I went through and I basically said like, okay, here's, here's what you should click. Here's what should be shown. If you're the driver, if you're the navigator, here's what, like, and just sort of really thought through it and tried to make all the like the design decisions up front. And um, also had like some people review it. Like I sent it to Adam and a couple other people and said like, does this make sense to you? And got some feedback from customers. Basically after a couple days, Spencer had sort of a, a basic prototype of it working. And I had figured out at least the big picture UX for it. And I think that really helped accelerate and like de-scarify it. That's good teamwork to kind of offload the burden of figuring out all of that from the person who's kind of diving into the tech. It seems like a nice, a nice uh, dividing line. 
Totally. And and yeah. Spencer is, is a bit of a beast where if you give him a list of things to do, he would just like kind of like will crank through that. I think he finds that like very motivated and focusing. And so like when I'm like, it should work like this, this, like you know, in this case, and it should do this when this happens. And, sh- and like he can just turn that into a list of to do's and just like kind of blast through it. He's, he's, he's very good in that scenario. So I think the combination of, of that really helped. As you were getting requests for this, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you get requests for other things where you feel like pretty confident in saying like, nope, that's outside the scope of what of what we want to do. So like, how did you gain confidence that like this was one of those big undertakings that was actually worth biting off and veering from your initial inclinations? Was it that, was, did you kind of examine and say like the main reason why we don't want to do this is because we're just afraid of the the magnitude, but otherwise, yes, it would be a good thing to add to the product or kind of talk. Yeah, it was mostly that. I, I would say that even in our initial visions of the product, we, we thought a face cam would be a good idea. It didn't take much convincing that it, that it was good. It was very much in our like sort of mental roadmap. And I, and I had that experience with like using Tuple with customers where I'd be like, I wish I could just like look at them right now. Occasionally, I would like pop open photo booth, which like shows a live feed of your webcam on your desktop. And so they'd be like, oh, cool. How do I do that? And I'm like, oh, you can't really. It's, I'm just kind of faking out this thing. And so it was like, even like that sort of hack version of like, let's like show somebody my face, people responded positively to. And so it's just pretty clear that, that we, we wanted it. We needed it. And, and, and like, like I said, we had lots of customers who were telling us like, I'm using two apps for this right now. Like I run Zoom on a second monitor. Uh, and we're like, hmm, it's kind of a bummer that you need to do that. That sounds like a lot of extra work. Cool. And so this, so you shipped it. So this made it out in time for your August launch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. There was a little concern around that, like pushing new stuff before that. Uh, we have one other thing in the pipeline that I think will also ship. That's like a decent technical lift. Uh, all I've committed to is August. So it's like, if it's August 1st, if it's August 20th, like, yeah, you know, technically they both count. So uh, we have a little bit of wiggle room if we like happen to discover that, wow, there's so many bugs. We got to figure this out. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. I don't expect like a, an enormous influx in august like hopefully we'll get a nice bump from it but we've been building this email list for so long and inviting people from it that like i think a lot of that like uh pent-up demand is already satisfied uh, from the people that already know about us so hopefully this launch will expose us to a lot of additional people i don't think it's going to be hundreds of customers i'd be surprised if we're that many but it feels good it feels great to ship it and like i just used it today like I was talking to Adam. He's like, hey, like, he was getting my thoughts on something. He's like, oh, you want me to like tool you real quick? And I was, I was like, yeah. And so we did. And then we turned on the video and it's like, oh, this feels so much better. Like it's, sometimes you just want to see people's faces. Mm-hmm. Have people started using that phrase, tuple you? I'll tuple you? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's happened. I've seen nice. it. We, we use it. Rolls and, off the <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not bad. It kind of works. It was funny, like where the intimidation, I think, kept us from doing this for a while. And I'm, I'm really glad we got that push um, from that customer. Uh, I emailed them too and said, by the way, like you, you were a big part in, in us getting this done so quickly. And it was like three weeks or something from that initial email from him to it actually being live. So like in the end, like we were concerned it would be months of work and there were all these complicated UX things that we didn't, th- we couldn't figure out how to do. And like once we actually sat down and I wrote a design doc and Spencer like looked at the tech, it was like, oh, actually we can do this. Nice. I've been seeing Steve tweeting about some design stuff for the new marketing site. How's that coming along? Uh, it's coming along nicely. I think it's looking like really good. Uh, I would say it's actually probably just about launchable. That might even happen this week. Um, he was just finishing up an illustration for the hero section. And I think that's the final version that is done. He is now, like, I think, rolled off that to like, work on his uh, Laracon talk, which is coming up. So we may need to wait a little bit if there's like last minute changes we want before we launch. Uh, but we may be able to just like take what's there and, and, and put it out there, which is cool. It'll be great to have like a better internet presence. I think I said that on this podcast, but like people have straight up told me like, 
it's hard for me to sell this to my boss because your website just looks like kind of like a, you're not really a thing. Have you done a lot of the copywriting on that? Yeah, I did all the copywriting for it. Nice. Yeah. And I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty okay. It's not bad. We ended up keeping some of that same like hero section from before where it's like, you know, we, we left screen hero and it went away and blah, blah, blah. So we wanted to replace it. That kind of thing. Cause all that language resonated really well with people. But we have sort of a lot of new sections which are like, hey, we actually have features and here's our, here are the things we thought about and why you might like it and why it's specifically tailored to programmers and testimonials from real people actually using it, that kind of thing. Nice, nice. Yeah. And a demo video. Oh, nice, yeah, cool. It's real. It's real, it's not vapor. <laughs> yeah. It'll be great to be launched just, just because I would say like one person in like 150 will email me and be like, I'm not trying a beta. Like, who do you think you are charging money for a beta? And I just want to be like, it's not a beta, but, but whatever. I'm like, I, I get it. Like, I'm never going to shake this until you can like publicly sign up for it on a website, I think. So it's just like, fine. We'll just, we're just going to do it. Yeah. 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 It'll be good to get out from under that perception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I, and I think there are probably companies in particular that would just never try a, or like a pre-release product or like an early access product. They're just like, not that. That's not in their DNA. They want... <laughs> Uh, SOC2 certification and such. <laughs> we haven't talked since like the the Zoom stuff came out. What are your reactions to that? <laughs> yeah, security vulnerabilities happened. Like I I didn't want to dunk on them or anything when that happened. It was like yeah, like uh, someday that will probably be us. Hopefully not. Like we'll do what we can to avoid that. But you know, it's just it's real hard to write software that has no security issues. So someday you might do it. And I would hope that if someone reported something to us, we would do a better job than they did there. Man, between that and the Slack thing, it's just kind of like, man, it sure is nice when your competitors just like kind of drop the ball a little bit around you just as like just a small bonus. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of fun. It feels like there's been a lot of uproar in the startup space around things that companies are doing wrong. Like superhuman got skewered a few weeks ago for the, the open tracking stuff. And it just feels like it's been a dramatic couple of months here for, for startups yeah and I, and I think like there's just like the mob is so ready to come to, to like like it's just so easy to whip up a, tw- a twitter mob real fast mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like when you do mess up it's not quiet it's not subtle kind of thing yeah yeah i'm sure we'll screw something up badly enough to get a lot of people <laughs> mad at us eventually we'll see what it is if you manage to stir up that big of a mob then that means you're probably having a a pretty big influence on the ecosystem so yeah you know although i bet it still doesn't feel good you know no i doubt it yeah I'm, i mean like, i can only imagine like yeah. <laughs> and then your problems just like change scope or they change type where it's like oh like you go from like oh we're trying not to die like running out of money to like oh man like how do i run a team of five this is so much harder than i thought it would be how do we communicate blah, blah, blah. like just the, just the problems just shift but that's okay that's kind of what i signed up for that's what that's what keeps me interested is like when things are different so I look forward to making glorious new mistakes every couple months. Yeah, they talk about too, like as your business grows, you go from making $100 mistakes to $1,000 mistakes to $50,000 mistakes. And then you may find yourself making a million dollar mistake, but you kind of have to still not become like paralyzed by fear of making these types of mistakes. You just have to know that like as the business grows, the magnitude will also grow of the potential mistakes you might make. Totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of mistakes I might make at some point, I know we talked about this a little bit in the past, which is like, is it ever right to ignore something that a lot of people are asking for? And the thing that keeps coming to my mind for that is um, a free trial. We get really good conversion off our people that actually start a trial uh, and a lot of expansion from that. And so it's like, well, 
if we get really good conversion and lots of expansion, don't you want a lot of people on the top of that funnel? And it's like, yes, there are downsides, support and things like that. But like maybe people keep asking me, like and they, just, they straight email and they say, I want to use it. I pitched my manager on it. And he's not willing to pay for something that we have can't try. Uh, can you give us even a free trial? And he said for one day. Like it's just like that we just tried a little bit and then like we'll decide. It's like that's it's kind of hard to say no to that. Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I could potentially be a customer of Tuple if I had a team, you know, and if I are in a buying position, like I've come to kind of just expect like, oh, this is a, this tool looks like it would work well for me, but I really would like to try it out before I have to pay for it. Like I would probably be one who would expect a free trial also. And so it would make logical sense to me to offer that. And I guess like what what would be the downsides besides maybe increased support load? It's not like increased call volume is really costing you in terms of server bandwidth because it's going peer to peer. So I guess, I don't know. I, I don't see too many downsides to, to opening up a free trial. Yeah, I sort of don't. I guess, I guess support is kind of the biggest one. Yeah. In the earlier days, it was like, well, the app is less stable and we're not sure if we expose it to more people, what's going to happen and all this stuff. But we've really taken the the reins, like loosened the reins kind of thing. So like pretty much anyone can sign up for it and they can invite anybody they want to. And so it's not hard to get into anymore. And so it's like, what what is the benefit still? I guess, I mean, we we make some money from the, the paid trials and whatnot. But we, we make a lot more money when someone signs up and then ends up subscribing with 15 or 20 engineers. That's just like a, so why are we reducing that number when it could be easier? Right, right. I mean, it might be worth an experiment, you know, like just try, try off own for a little while and see what the volume of support looks like from that and mm-hmm. reset, yeah. you know, I, th- I think I would for sure. Yeah, exactly. I think that's almost always the right answer for like, will this new pricing work? It's like, who, who, who knows? Just give it a shot. See what happens. Everything's reversible. Tell me if you think this is hokey or not is keep the paid trial in place, but let existing customers refer people into a free trial. So if someone's like, oh, I, I can't do it. Like, can I have it for free? I'd say, uh, if you can get a referral from an existing customer, it's free. Is that cheesy or like lame? Like, I can't tell how I feel about that. Would the, would the idea be that you're trying to, like, it's effectively having someone vouch for them, kind of, to keep the really low, low value trials out? Kind no, of? the way I'm thinking about it, honestly, is kind of more like it's, I'm giving our customers the ability to kind of gift $100 as many times as they want to friends of theirs. And that makes them maybe feel kind of cool, maybe feel helpful. And maybe it's like, oh, well, like, how do you find out who's using it? It's like, oh, maybe like this person then goes on Twitter and says, hey, are any of my friends using Tuple that can refer me? And like, maybe help a little bit of word of mouth that way too. I like that side of it. Like, I like giving your customers the ability to kind of gift something in Tuple currency. But it does feel odd, like if someone emailed and was like, hey, can I get a free trial? It would be a bit of a turnoff, I think, for the answer to be like, I'm not going to hook you up. You got to go do the legwork of finding your own referral like that. Something feels a little off about that, I think. I agree. I think like it feels a little a little bit hokey or something, but maybe not terrible. I don't know. It's like, do you want to do the legwork? Like, you don't have to. You can you can pay and skip the legwork, or you can do a little legwork and get hooked up. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe you just don't tell people you have a free trial. Like, they can only find out about the free thing from referral. I sort of not- I sort of want to be able to answer that way, though. Like, when people yeah. are like, can I have a free trial? Right now, I'm just like, no. 
And it's like, okay, well, and some people are just like, cool, well, goodbye. And if I was like, no, but yes, actually, would like to hear from people maybe as you're listening to this, like what your thoughts are on this. Does this sound like how, how do you think you might respond in this situation? I might be coming around to like making it even easier for people to get in there because the product just keeps getting better. I'm feeling more and more proud of it every day. It's like we're we're solving a real pain point and people like it. So like, why why restrict it? That's good. Exciting stuff, man. Thanks. Yeah, that's good. So um, what's going on in the world of Derek? Yeah, the world of Derek. So I've been building building a lot of product in the last month, kind of in between the travel and stuff that I had going on. So still working on my initial version of Static Kit and starting with the form collection component. Learning a lot about kind of modern front end development, which is something that I had, you know, I dipped into it a little bit when I was doing Elm and stuff like that, but I never really touched React before. And I kind of want to come out the gate with kind of the best tooling for the most modern ways that people are building websites today. Right out the gate, I want to have, you know, a solid React component that you can use to to seamlessly wire up to my back end and potentially also have like um just kind of a standalone version. So like doesn't require you to be using something like a React. So you could use it on just a, a static site that's generated by something like a Jekyll or something like that that doesn't really use a bunch of JavaScript in the build pipeline. Kind of working on those two to start. Yeah, I've, I feel like things are getting pretty close. So I had initially said July as my kind of initial launch date for this and didn't specify a day in July. So I might still make it by the end of July. We'll see. <laughs> um, I kind of have a last minute additional trip to California planned, some family stuff going on. So that was not in the plans, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. The product is feeling good to me and it's feeling like it's still staying pretty narrow in scope. And so, yeah, I'm excited to put it in people's hands and kind of see what the response looks like. That's cool. So, so your plan from before, if I remember, is kind of to, to keep it light and tightly scoped and very much like determine your future based on the reaction. Yep, exactly. So, you know, I'm not making a ton of assumptions about, you know, the type of person it's going to be most valuable to. So from what I can tell from from the folks I've spoken to a little bit casually about it, like some people are looking for a nicer way to like put a form on the website that hooks into like an email system because that process is not super smooth. Other people I think are just not as concerned about that, but, but are just using like, you know, a purely react based thing and don't want to write a serverless function to collect form data. They just want like a drop-in solution for that. And those are kind of two separate, two separate use cases. And I don't know, I'm not entirely sure which one it's going to be most useful for. So I think I'm thinking I'm going to open this up and just call it like a beta period for a little while and, and just, let people freely in the door to try it out and and then kind of get a lay lay of the land of like who's who's actually using it who's getting value out of it what do people want what kind of integrations do people want and kind of that that'll be the the starting point for a lot of customer conversations and stuff it's interesting comparing this to level where i think with level you were really excited about it like you wrote a manifesto and it resonated you were like i have to solve this problem this is serious and then you built a big thing and this, you feel a little bit more like, this might be a problem. Uh, we'll see who has it. And uh, I'm going to build a small thing and yeah. see how it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it's not to say that I'm not excited about this. Like, I am excited about static sites, about 
serverless technology and kind of the the newer way of building websites and building web applications. And I think that people are kind of like when I look at how people are approaching this with kind of modern frameworks, there there is a lot of reinventing of solved problems already happening. So like all that stuff I'm I'm jazzed about from a technical side as a as a developer myself. But I'm just yeah, I'm just trying to like hold off on making assumptions about the market and stuff because I've just ran into so many problems with that with level. So trying to do the the true MVP approach where the MVP is the starting point for the conversation and and the learning starts there once people have something physically in their hands. Just feels pretty right to me where it's like you've chosen your audience in generally and you're kind of looking around for problems and things that resonate and whatnot. Because I, but I, I like you making tools for developers. I feel like you, you can be great at that. I hope so. <laughs> I got to imagine uh, the podcast being like a little bit of subtle pressure. Like, so like, what are you doing and all mm-hmm. this? Is that mm-hmm. making it like in your position, I would want to like take time to think about stuff and like ponder my life and who I want to serve and all that stuff. Are you feeling like some pressure to like have some answer to these things? Yeah, definitely feeling a little bit of pressure. I can't lie. That's another reason why I want to get the ship so fast because I just want to, I want to start having more answers about that. Um, so, <laughs> yes, we need fodder for our radio program. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, you know, you've got enough going on that uh, we can hopefully keep things interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, we'll try to keep shipping major features. Yeah, good. Or maybe maybe we can cause like a giant drama. Maybe I'll just like make one of those mistakes now and like make some people mad. And then Install we'll a hidden web server on someone's you know machine or something, and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, or like a hidden remote control screen sharing server. <laughs> it's not even hidden. It's right there. Yep. Cool. I uh, I filled out a security form the other day. Oh, you did it. I did it. It wasn't too bad. It was a Google form. And so I could just like see the whole thing. And I was like, all right, mm-hmm. this is not terrible. <laughs> and the company that wanted it was like big. And I was like, well, okay, fine. Yeah. Spencer has been kind of on me about that. Or like not on me, but like he, he CC'd me on this tweet where someone was like, I think Ian Landsman said something like, yeah, like enterprise customers are a huge pain in the ass. And then they just like pay you 10x what all your other customers are. And they never ask you for anything. And they stay subscribed for years. Yeah. And Spencer was just like, CC Ben. Who <laughs> complains about this all the time and i was like all right fine so. i mean i guess the roi is there if if it really is like mostly front loaded on like the nastiness and then from it then on it's to just be. kind of yeah it does seem to be like we've had a couple customers where it's like it was annoying to get them in but then like after they try it, they're like yeah we want to do annual uh for this many people and it's like that's thousands of dollars that you know yeah. for you know, not that much work so yeah yeah and, may, and they might even keep paying. Like, who knows? Like, that could be an annual contract for years. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are there any? Are, are there certain like certifications that you can get that would like kind of rubber stamp over a lot of these what these enterprises want? They're definitely like uh, SOC two seems to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's ISO twenty seven thousand and one or something. I don't know. There's there seem to be a couple of these. They appear to be really onerous to get from based on my very light investigation. But we're getting less and less pushback. So now we have like a, a pretty a pretty good security write up. So like when people are like, oh, like I need to talk, have you talk to IT so they can do a review. And I say, great, by the way, start here. And it's got like, we got like a full like architecture diagram. We talk about how we encrypt things, where the data lives, what like what we agree to. And um, that really has been short circuiting a lot of things. The big, the next thing I would like to add to sort of our like we're legit list is um, some pen test results. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm planning, I was actually planning on tweeting like, what's a good like kind of startup friendly scrappy way to get a decent pen test done? Um, I talked to Hacker One, which looks cool. They kind of run like basically a, a security bug bounty program on your behalf, but it was in like the tens of thousands of dollars. And I was like, I'm looking for the like single digit thousands of dollars, hopefully, but like still like legit enough that people are like, ah, yes, you're doing the right things. And there's, this is some indication of that you have basic competence. So we'll, we'll see what develops there. But I, I, I do want to keep, I mean, we want to do the right thing. We're not trying to like ignore security. So, um, but it's like, how do we do it in a way that we can afford and, and all that. And that is not just like pure, like kind of mostly showmanship like those those certifications appear to me and this is and other people confirm this to it's both basically about liability where it's like oh we signed up for this thing and this thing ended up being a, va a vector through which someone attacked us but they said they had this certification so clearly it's not our fault like they said they got it so and it's like well <laughs> which is kind of all garbage but whatever yeah it's a lot of cya stuff and and yeah not it's kind of like the games that are played at the high level of ways to ways to cover yourself as opposed to actually because because like to use zoom for an example they they had like sock two i think and all those like degrees of certification on stuff and yet they were still problems so yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't really prove anything and, and it's and, and i look at the requirements of them like someone told me like yeah we went through getting this and it was like it was like you can't have paper on your desk at the end of the day in case it contains security, like sensitive information. Like it's some of it was just like, you can't retain uh, surveillance footage at your data center for too long. It's like craziness. But yeah, at the high level, these big companies, like they're not so much worried. It's like they're not so much worried about actually having security vulnerability as getting sued for $10 million because of a security vulnerability. Um, so, I, which I get, <laughs> I suppose. Um, but doesn't mean I want to play that game exactly. But I, I am, I'm hoping to just sort of keep adding to our look we're legit kind of portfolio well nice well hopefully you don't have too many more security questionnaires to slog through uh in your in your week ahead <laughs> i have been thinking so i just reread nathan barry's blog post about doing direct sales as a bootstrap startup which is a great post i don't know i i, I do think like when i look at the volume of emails we have coming in for people requesting invites and like the size of some of those companies it's like i do I, there probably could be someone who was just kind of like reaching out to everyone with a custom email and trying to set up a call and like you and when i look like the deal sizes could be there to like actually legitimately have a, a sales force at some point yeah i mean it's kind of a function of what your your lifetime value of your customer and um and your cac right and making sure those are in line but Sounds like from the just the kind of the loose numbers you've thrown out, like you might be, you might be in that realm. So I, I think it could be, and mm -hmm. it, maybe not to like hire someone and like pay them a big salary and commission, but like for me to spend time on that could definitely be like really good ROI, especially because it basically doubles as customer research. This is kind of a, a bogus stat, I'll admit, because we don't have enough customers for the stat to really mean anything yet. Uh, but so far in the last thirty days, our expansion revenue is more than our churned revenue. Mm. which is kind of wonderful. So you have neg negative revenue churn then, right? Yes. Yeah, negative, yeah. negative net churn, I think they call that. Yeah. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. Um, but That's again, like the holy like, grail in SaaS, I think. It <laughs> is. Yeah. And if, if, it, if it were a year from now, it would be way more meaningful because there's just not like a big enough base of people to really churn from, I would say. So it's kind of like a double vanity metric, but I still, it's still fun to like realize that the other day. I was like, oh, hey, look at that. That's, that's cool. That's still really awesome. Nonetheless, it takes, I mean, I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think we achieved that super early on in the drip days. I mean, eventually we did, but, um, but it took a little while. So 
kind of nice. If, if you can hold that for a bit, that'd be really cool. That sure, it would be cool. Yeah. yeah. We don't need negative net revenue churn for that long for the numbers to, to creep nicely mm-hmm. northward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just just want to keep going. Just want to keep yeah. doing it. It's yeah. pretty fun. I want to hire a designer. That's what I really want. <laughs> we got so much design work to do. Like we got Steve and like he's doing a bunch of stuff. But like, there's just still some like we just keep like, oh, man, we need new icons for this. And we need new. You know, yeah. Just, there's a lot. Do of you think that'll work. be do you think it'll be your first hire? Uh, we could also use some development work. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's hard to say. <laughs> um, I could see maybe like a part time developer and a part time designer could be like a really nice kind of middle ground there. Be nice to have more horsepower on both those, but the, I would say that the design is the biggest thing we lack. So it's like, well, it'd be nice to have more help people writing code, but like we'll get that done eventually. None of the three of us are particularly good at design, so that just kind of doesn't get done. But yeah, I, I just I love when things look nice. I want to have a product that looks pretty, so and is thought through, and like little details are considered. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll see someday. Yeah. All right. Shall we wrap it? Yeah, let's wrap it. Cool. Uh, show notes. Show notes can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.